Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, it's great to see you. Uh, welcome again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. And if this is your first time here, my name is Scott. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We are continuing in our series, Core Values. And what we've been doing in this series is each week looking at these aspects of life that we need to have in our life that are core values for our life to make us better people. If you follow Christ, to make you a better follower of Christ. And so we've talked about the first week, we talked about honor. And then the second week, we talked about the core value of integrity. And last week, leading into Thanksgiving, we talked about the core value of gratitude, right? And how we have to have gratitude, not just this time of year, you know, during Thanksgiving and Christmas, the holiday season, but we have to have gratitude every single day of our lives. And so kind of continuing on this journey, I want to talk about a core value uh, that I think is absolutely necessary and, and biblical that we need to have that's kind of been forgotten in our culture, or it's not as prevalent today, and that is the core value of loyalty. And uh, the thing about loyalty, it is one of the top qualities that we look for in other people. If you think about it, you want a loyal spouse, or if you're dating, you want a loyal boyfriend or a loyal girlfriend, you want loyal co-workers, you want loyal friends. If you own a business, you want loyal employees. So it ranks right at the top of the things that we desire to see in other people. And if I was to ask you today, whether you're at home or whether you're here, uh, how many of you felt like you were a loyal person, I guarantee you just about everybody's hand would go up. Yeah, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the core. I'm loyal to a fault, right? We would think of reasons we feel like we're loyal, and we would agree with that statement. But if I was to ask another statement and say, how many of you feel like a lot of the problems and issues that we have in culture today are caused by disloyalty, we'd all raise our hands again, right? Disloyalty among leadership, disloyalty among couples, disloyalty among friendships. Yeah, disloyalty causes a lot of the problems that we have in society. We'd all agree with that. So you see the, the disconnect? That's why talking about loyalty can be such a challenge. And as we go through today, if you want to follow along with, on your phone with our notes, you can scan one of the QR codes that they'll put up on the side screens. Or those of you that have the Church Center app, you can go ahead and open that. Uh, but here's why today's topic of loyalty, I think, is going to be such a challenge for us to discuss. And it's learning number one, it's hard for us to see our own disloyalty. That's why this is going to be so difficult. We think we're loyal, but if we're really honest, we're probably only loyal to ourselves. Given the right opportunity, given the right circumstance, we would be disloyal to someone else or disloyal to a cause for the sake of remaining loyal to ourselves. So it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm loyal. 
it's a whole nother thing to actually be loyal. And if you think about the Scripture, probably the best or one of the best examples of someone saying they were loyal was one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, Simon Peter, right? He said to Jesus that, uh, you know, he was loyal. I won't leave you. I'm going to be loyal to you. And let's look at how this plays out just to see this example of you know, it's one thing to say we're loyal. It's a whole different thing to actually be loyal. And it's Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. So what's Peter doing? He is saying, like you and I would, that he's loyal, right? I, I'm, I'm willing to die with you. I'm willing to go to prison with you. If you flip over into the first gospel, Matthew this story, he actually says, you know, even if the rest of these knuckleheads abandon you, Jesus, I'm not going to abandon you. You can trust me. I'm going to be here. I'm not going to deny you. So he's proclaiming his loyalty, but we all know what happens, right? Let's actually look at that. Luke 22, verse 54 through 60. So they arrested him, talking about Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtroom and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. After uh, about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately when he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. We can say that we're loyal all day long, but those words have to be backed up by our actions. Right? We, in other words, we have to show our loyalty. We can't just say it, we have to show it. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? So if you're a Christ follower, and I know that's not everybody, but if you are, that means our actions and what we actually do is going to be the most important thing in showing that we're loyal. In other words, we have to demonstrate our loyalty, not just say that, oh yeah, I'm loyal. And just to show you how important, uh, obviously it was important to the Lord when it came to Peter, this loyalty, uh, but I want to look at something in the Old Testament as well. And I want to look at the book of Ruth. And if you've never 
read the book of Ruth, it doesn't take long to read it, maybe 15, 20 minutes, depending on how quick you read. It's four chapters long, but uh, there's several examples of loyalty that were demonstrated, not just spoken, that I want to take a look at. And I got to give you some background first, so, so kind of just bear with me. I want to kind of set this story up, and if I give you too, too much information, then I apologize, but it start, the book of Ruth starts out with a uh, a couple by the name of Naomi and Elimelech. And they have two kids, two boys, uh, two young men, really, and they live in Bethlehem. And there's a famine in Bethlehem, so Elimelech and Naomi decide to move to a place called Moab. And so they're going to be in a foreign country, but they have to leave because there's really just no food in Bethlehem. So they get to Moab and the, the boys, they meet two Moabite women and marry them. And the women's names are Orpah and Ruth, and obviously the, the book of Ruth. So these are the two women that their, their sons marry. Well, the very next part of Scripture says that Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. And then following that, her two sons die. So the only three people are left are Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws who are Moabite women. So Naomi, she, she encourages the girls, you stay here in your country, you stay here in Moab, you find new husbands, continue on your family name. I'm too old to give you, you know, any more kids, you're going to have to do this on your own. And so Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, and Ruth refuses to stay in Moab. She says, I'm going wherever you go. Naomi. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to care for you. You're my mother-in-law. So they go back to Bethlehem. Orpah stays in Moab. And when Ruth and Naomi get to Bethlehem, it's harvest season. You know, we just finished harvest season here. You know, farmers getting their crops in and their hay in. Well, they arrive during the harvest season. And so what Naomi does, because they don't have a man in their family to carry on Naomi's family name, nor to provide for them. And that's just the way society worked then. So they kind of got to take care of themselves. So Naomi sends Ruth into the fields to glean from the harvesters. Well, what does that mean? It meant that if you were a foreigner, which Ruth was because she was from Moab, she wasn't from Bethlehem, or you were poor, you could walk behind the harvesters, and they did all this by hand, obviously, and you could pick up anything they dropped. Any grain that they dropped, you could pick up and keep for yourself to feed you. Now, also, the Israelites were commanded by God to allow foreigners and the poor to do this, to glean their fields, but they were also commanded to leave the corners of their fields, the edges of their fields, and not to harvest those at all, to leave those for the poor and the foreigners. So, Ruth finds herself in a field that's owned, and I'm going to throw another name at you, by a guy by the name of Boaz. And Boaz happens to be related to Naomi. He's the second closest relative alive to Naomi. And he pledges his loyalty to Ruth and says, you can glean in my fields. I will take care of you. I will protect you. My men We'll be nice to you. We'll feed you. You gather as much grain as you want to, and I'm going to watch over you. 
Well, through a series of events, Ruth eventually appeals to Boaz to be their family redeemer. Or some of you have heard the term kinsman redeemer in the Scripture. And I'll explain what that is, but uh, Ruth goes to Boaz and says, you need to redeem Naomi's family because her family name needs to carry on. Well, a kinsman redeemer in that culture or a family redeemer was simply a relative who had the privilege as well as the responsibility to make that family continue. They were supposed to come to the rescue of any of their relatives that were in danger, uh, you know, were in trouble or in need of any way. Well, Naomi and Ruth are in need, right? Because there's no man to carry on Naomi's family's name, right? So somebody needs to redeem them. A close relative has to redeem them, but they're also in trouble because they're having to provide for themselves. So a family redeemer, which is what Boaz is, or a kinsman redeemer would either uh, redeem the family by marrying into the family and continuing the family name, or they may redeem property, you know, because Naomi was trying to sell property to make ends meet, so they would buy the property so it could stay in the family's name, or they would redeem both. All right, and that's kind of what I'm going to leave you with, and then we're going to pick the story up. And again, go home and read this. It doesn't take that long. It's a great story of loyalty. But Ruth chapter 2, verse 15 through 20. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness, other translations say loyalty, to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Now, not only did Boaz announce his loyalty to to Ruth, he backed it up, didn't he? He provided for her, he protected her, he made sure his men watched after her. So he proclaimed his loyalty just like Peter did, but then his words backed up his loyalty because he demonstrated his loyalty. And if you know the end of this story, he actually comes back and redeems Naomi's family and he marries Ruth. And, you know, his kid won't even have his last name, right? But he's redeeming the family. And so he's faithful and loyal to her. But what who else is Boaz is loyal to is God. Because God told the Israelites, you take care of the foreigner and you take care of those who are poor. So not only is he loyal to Naomi, 
by continuing her family name. Not only is he loyal to Ruth by, uh, you know, listening to her and, 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 you know, redeeming this family, but he's loyal to his faith, right? He's loyal to what God has called him to do. But it's not the only story of loyalty. Ruth in this story is also incredibly loyal. I I told you at the beginning of the story when Naomi lost her husband and, and the Orpah and Ruth lost their husbands, Naomi tried to encourage the girls to stay in Moab. And Orpah did, but Ruth's like, no way. I am loyal to you, Naomi. I'm going to go wherever you go. As a matter of fact, I want to look at that verse. Ruth 1, 16 through 17. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be loyal. I will be buried. Her loyalty is so great to Naomi, she's the one that goes to Boaz and says, you need to redeem Naomi's family. And, and Boaz was blown away by Ruth's loyalty. But it is a story that's full of loyalty. Again, showing us in the the Scripture, loyalty is something that is very important to the Lord. It's a core value we have to have in our life. So if we have to demonstrate it instead of just speaking it, how do we practically do that? How do we do that in our everyday life? How can we remain loyal, or be even more loyal. And I want to look at three ways I think practically we can show our loyalty. And, and all three may not hit you. Maybe two out of three will hit you. But, but these are practical things we can do in our lives. And, and here's learning number two. I can be loyal to my spouse. If you're married, if you ever hope to be married, if you're engaged to be married, you can go ahead and prepare ahead of time. But we can be loyal to our spouse. That is a way to demonstrate every day our loyalty. Malachi 2.15 says this, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart and what? Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. God says, Remain loyal to your wife. And and we know what God says about marriage, and this goes both ways. But in other words, how do I do that? How do I remain loyal to my wife? How do I remain loyal to my husband? Stay married. Stay together. Stay one. Protect those vows that you took either a few years ago or many, many years ago. We know that God doesn't like divorce, right? And I know a lot of people watching, a lot of people here, you've been through that pain. And and I'll reiterate it again because I do every time I talk about this. God does not hate people who are divorced. He doesn't hate divorced people. He hates the act. Why? Because it hurts families. It hurts kids. It hurts the husband. It hurts the wife. It hurts friendships you had together. It hurts all kinds of things. That's why he encourages us to remain loyal to our spouse. Is this easy to do in our culture? (laughs) No, it's not. 
I was reading statistics this week, and this blew me away. 20 to 25% of all married couples will cheat. 20 to 25%. I mean, the mentality in our culture today is, well, if my husband's not doing this or my wife's not doing that or they're not making me happy here or they're not bringing me joy there, then I'm just going to discard them and I'm going to get another spouse. Again, we say hey, yeah, I'm loyal, but when the rubber meets the road, often we're only loyal to ourselves without any regard to what God says or without ever considering what God says. That's why he encourages us to stay together, to remain loyal to the wife of your youth. We can also be disloyal within a marriage. We can be disloyal to our spouse by staying in the marriage but not connected to the marriage, if you know what I mean. You know, we can belittle our spouse or talk down to our spouse or or talk behind their back. We can have a wandering eye or a lustful heart or get, you know, emotionally attached to people that we shouldn't be emotionally uh, attached to. That's disloyalty. We can be emotionally damaging in our actions and our words to our spouse. We can have disloyal thoughts. That's still being disloyal, even though like you're keeping the letter of the law. I'm staying married, you know. And again, I get there's reasons why we have to go through the pain of divorce. You know, our, our marriage isn't what God intended for it to be, you know, as far as fidelity or, or stuff like that. I get that. But the bottom line is, if you are married or if you're getting ready to, to get married or heading in that direction, if we put anything other than our faith in Christ before our spouse, we're being disloyal. I'll say that again. If you put anything other than your faith in Christ before your spouse, we're being disloyal. If I put my hobbies before my spouse, if I put my job before my spouse, if I put our kids before my spouse, I'm missing the mark. So we can show loyalty to our spouse, and we can demonstrate that every single day. Here's another one. This will be all of us. Learning number three, I can be loyal to my friends. We can demonstrate loyalty every day to the friendships that we have. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. I love that. A friend is always loyal. How do I be loyal to my friend? Don't talk about them. Don't gossip behind their back. If they've confided in you about something going on, don't go share that with somebody else unless they ask you to share it with somebody else. If you hear something about a friend in your group or your ministry, you don't go put that on social media. You keep a friend's confidence. Another thing we can do to be loyal to our friend is to love them enough just to tell them the truth, just to shoot straight with them. I mean, it may be a difficult conversation you have to have, maybe a painful conversation, but one of the most loyal things we can do is speak the truth to them in love. Love them enough to help them. Love a friend enough to forgive them, even if they're on a dangerous path. Work through the issues. 
of a friendship. Because again, loyalty sticks among friends. And I get there's cases where the other person does not want to reconcile. And the other person doesn't want to have anything to do. All you can do at that point is, is work on yourself, right? I, I get that. But the worst thing I think we can do, uh, you know, that causes disloyalty to a friend is to walk away from a friendship just because we've been hurt. You know, they said something to us, they didn't tell us the truth, they hurt us in some way, and instead of forgiving them and trying to reconcile, we just walk away. Listen, the friendships I've seen where both parties wanted to reconcile, and they do reconcile, it's amazing how strong that friendship is after that. Because, you know, sometimes a friendship sticks closer than a brother, the Scripture says. That bond is even closer. So we can demonstrate practically loyalty by being loyal to our friends. Here's another one, learning number three. I'm sorry, learning number four. I can be loyal to Christ and His church. That's a way we can demonstrate loyalty. We can demonstrate loyalty to our local body of believers, wherever it is you worship. Maybe you worship at Blue Ridge Church or somewhere, somewhere else. You're here you know, for the Thanksgiving holiday. But we, we can be loyal to a local body of believers, but also to Christians everywhere. And if you look at the book of Acts and you look at the first church, those Christians were totally sold out. They were sold out to Christ, but they were also sold out to each other. Look at Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were devoted and committed to each other. They were a community that did life together. They cared for each other. They ministered to each other. They prayed with each other. They took care of each other. Look at Acts 2.45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Acts 2.46. Each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were loyal to each other. That's why we always encourage people to get connected. If you go to this church, get connected. Get connected in a group. Get connected in a ministry. If you go somewhere else, get connected within that body of Christ. To remain loyal, if you will, to what Christ calls us to do. You know, too many people today, I think they have a consumer mindset, especially when it comes to things like church, right? It's like they only look for a church that's going to meet their needs, not a church that's going to meet the needs of others, which is what Christ calls us to do. That's why I love this place. I've always loved this place because since day one, we've been about meeting the needs of others. And if we'll focus on meeting the needs of others, guess what happens? Our needs get met, right? Uh, you know, and what, what are the needs of others? They need to know Christ. So we try to help people not only find Christ, but to follow Christ. And what's so cool is when the body of Christ, who we can be loyal to, when we're doing what Christ has called us to do, not only do we grow closer to Christ, but we, we grow closer to each other. And that's exactly what was happening in that very first church. It breaks my heart when I see marriages divide or friendships divide or churches or denominations divide. 
And it usually happens because there's disloyalty. Division causes disloyalty. When we're undivided, we're loyal. In other words, I think the key to us remaining loyal, whether it's with our spouse, our friends, uh, our workplace, our, our church, to Christ, is to remain in unity. Unity is the key to loyalty. Unity is the key to overcoming disloyalty. And the best way to understand this is to kind of think about loyalty from God's perspective. And I want to look at Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God created us uh, to love us, to show us his love. His desire is to have a relationship with us, but all along God's been loyal to us. Even when we are disloyal, even when we were full of sin, he still sent Christ. Even when I'm faithless and disloyal, even when we turn our backs on God, we go in a different direction than God wants us to go, what does God do? He remains faithful, right? He remains loyal to us. So let me ask you this, what does God want in exchange for his loyalty to us? He shows us loyalty. What does he want in exchange for that? Jesus was asked one day the most important commandment. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not part of it, not some of it, but all your heart. That's what God wants in exchange for his loyalty. He wants all of our heart. In other words, he doesn't want our heart to be divided because division causes disloyalty. And can I just tell you something? Sadly, he doesn't always have all of my heart. He doesn't. At times, my heart can be divided. Divided between what I want and what Jesus wants. Divided between what culture says and what the Lord says. And I'd love to be able to stand up here and tell you, yeah, all the time God's got all of my heart. But it's just not true because there's times my heart is divided. I'm just being honest with you. But I'm sure if you would look at your own life, you'd probably say the same thing. Yeah, Scott, I see it. I see times when my heart is divided, divided between what Christ says and divided what I say or what the world says. And if we just stopped right there and said, oh, well, you know, we're sinners we're going to have divided hearts. We're going to be disloyal. And we just left it at that. We'd never improve. We'd never get more loyal in life. And that's not what God expects. He expects us to progress every single day, right? Get closer and closer to the character of Christ. So how do we prevent our heart from dividing? How do we prevent, you know, our church family from dividing or our relationship with other believers from dividing or our marriage from dividing or our friendships uh, dividing. And I love what James says. James chapter four, verse eight says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is what? Divided between God and the world. That's us. Our hearts are divided. So what that verse is saying, if we see 
disloyalty coming out of us, what if we just stopped and drew close to God for just a minute? What's going to happen according to that verse? God's going to draw close to us. It's going to minimize, in other words, that division that causes disloyalty. And listen to the very next verse James shares. 4.9, he says, Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. In other words, having a divided loyalty between God uh, and you. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Our disloyalty should bring us to grief. We see God's faithfulness, His love, His generosity, the fact He sent His Son while we were still sinners, and then we see our own disloyalty towards God. That should break us, James is saying. That should cause us to repent and then go back to the beginning of verse 4-8 and draw close to God. Again, we draw close to God. He draws close to us. And that keeps us from being divided and disloyal. So learning number five, Christ is the answer to our divided heart. If we walk with him every single day, if we draw near to him every single day, the chance of our heart becoming divided in any single area of our life is very, very slim. That's how we remain loyal. We draw close to the Lord, and the Lord draws close to us. Am I there yet? No. Are you there yet? No. But the closer we draw to Christ, the closer we're getting to where we need to be. So this week, practically demonstrate loyalty. Loyalty in your marriage. If you're in a dating relationship, loyalty in that. Loyalty with your friends. Loyalty to your place of work. Loyalty to Christ and the body of Christ. Let's pray together. God, this is a tough topic. This is a hard, hard subject you've given us uh, today. But Lord, Help us to see our disloyalty and help that to break us and to draw close to you. Lord, you promise that you'll walk with us every single day of our lives. What's lacking there is us drawing close to you. Lord, I pray for our friendships. I pray for our marriage. I pray for our church. I pray for other churches throughout the world that we would remain loyal. Maybe you're watching from home or you're here and you've never even thought about loyalty to Christ because you don't have a relationship with Christ. Let me encourage you. Open your heart to him. He's just waiting for you. He created you and he loves you, but he gives you the choice of whether you want to be in a relationship with him or not. Start loyalty there by being loyal to Christ and inviting him in. God, as we go about our individual lives and go through our week, help us to be convicted when we're not loyal. But help us to be loyal to those things we've talked about today. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Next Sunday, December the 3rd is Celebration Sunday. We celebrate baptism and communion at all three services. If you have never been water baptized after inviting Christ into your life, you can sign up to do that uh, next week. You can sign up 
on the connection card, the electronic connection card through the Church Center app, or you can stop by the hub and just say, hey, I want to be water baptized next Sunday. It's an incredible step of faith, but if you've invited Christ in and you've never done that, that's probably your next right step of faith. Uh, We're also going to celebrate child dedication. That's where mom and dad uh, commit to the Lord that they're going to raise their children in in a a Jesus-centered home so that those kids will know who Jesus is. And so if you are a parent or a grandparent and you're raising kids and you want to dedicate those children next Sunday, you can sign up to do that as well. If you're worshiping through generosity today, you can do that in the black boxes or online. I encourage you next week, grab a friend, uh, bring them with you, invite them as we do Celebration Sunday, and we'll close out this series looking at the core value of community and why it's important. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great week.